Hey everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of I Just Blank, Now What? I'm your host, Jessica Stevens. Big thank you for tuning in for another Wednesday, where we share an amazing Now What? story from a guest whose life is packed full of lessons, and we want to share them with all of you. So today on the show, my guest Jacqueline is sharing her I just followed my intuition, now what story, which in my humble opinion should actually get renamed my intuition just saved my life, now what story, because let me tell you, this story is wow, that's all I have to say. Wait till you listen and hear what happened to her when her spidey sense and her gut and literally a voice telling her what she needed to do absolutely, literally saved her life. So a little bit about Jacqueline. Through her immersion and highly interactive workshop and one-on-one coaching, Jacqueline gets individuals and teams feeling grounded and confident in their own magic their own gifts so that they can share them with the world. She creates a safe workshop container using a unique blend of stress reduction tools, beginner level improv techniques, and practical skill and team building. Originally trained at NYU as a film director, she's worked in film editing for HBO, CBS, and public television as an actor and improviser and is a professional writer. She had an epiphany that she was meant to use the humanizing magic of improv and theater techniques for other personal development and cultural change. So without further ado, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually. And in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Well, hello, Jacqueline. We have a lot to talk about. So we are just going to dive right into this episode. I'm really excited for this conversation that we're going to have and your story of I just tapped into my intuition. Now what story? Because me personally, I'm a gut girl. Like I feel I have a really strong sense of my internal, you know, voice and my intuition that I hope I follow most of the time. But definitely there's moments when me and everybody else probably hears our intuition but ignores it. Or because there's just so many other outside voices going on that maybe it's hard to listen to our own intuition or even know what it sounds like. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you about you tapping into yours. So before we do that, tell everybody a little bit about you though. Oh, sure. I'm uh, originally a New Yorker from an extremely European family. (laughs) Grew up in a French speaking home and I'm out here on the West Coast and I'm a writer and I lead workshops sometimes. So do work that tends to be personal development oriented and I write all kinds of different content also. Excellent. Like books, like articles. Well, at the moment I am ghostwriting a personal development book with a psychotherapist. Oh, cool. 
and I do some blog writing for a marketing company. And then I'm also writing video scripts for a company that puts out all kinds of videos about human resources and safety at work and OSHA stuff. All right. So you are a writer of all kinds. Let's tap into some of that intuition that we were talking about. So take us back to this story of when you tapped into your intuition and what kind of happened and changed your life. Give us a little bit about the backstory. Absolutely. And just to sort of set the context a little bit, I won't go into too many gritty details because it's a little bit on the intense side. So yeah, give slight... us like the Cole's notes, Cole's notes version. Yes. So just know that it's happy ending and I learned a lot, but a little bit intense. So native New Yorker and I was, gosh, probably in my twenties or early thirties and walking around near Grand Central Station on the east side of Manhattan. At the time, I had really long, straight, dyed blonde hair parted in the middle. And I saw this dude, It was there was kind of a light rain, and this dude stopped me on the street. He was walking his bicycle, and he had like the same hair. He had long, straight, blonde hair and a goatee. And I describe him as kind of looking like a Hallmark Jesus, kind of a hippie, Jesus-y sort of look in the way he was styled. <laughs> and he said, hey, my name's Daniel and I'm just a messenger in the rain. And I realized later that it was a kind of a pun because it was raining out and he was a bike messenger. But I noticed that it had this sort of pseudo spiritual kind of implication, just the way he was talking. At that point, he said, so I'm looking for a place to crash. Do you know of anything? Do you have a place? It was that kind of question. So at that point, here's what happened. Now, I couldn't tell you exactly what the source of this is. If I'm going to use new age language, you, you might call it uh, higher self. Maybe they were guides, spirit guides, just maybe my own intuition. And I don't think it really matters. What matters is that it was benevolent. I got this very clear while I was standing in front of this guy, Daniel, very clear sense. Look at him, smile, acknowledge what he's saying, answer his questions and get out. It a was very, it's a very clear message. Crystal clear. I don't know that they were words in a sentence, but it was almost like a knowing, but it was very clear because this was such an unusual and lightning quick experience that I was having right in the moment, I, I felt like I, I needed to honor it. This message emphasized to be pleasant and, you know, smile. So I did that. And I was like, you know, I really don't, I don't, sorry, good luck with it. You know? Yeah. Bye. And I, and I left. Okay. That was the end of that interaction. Exactly a year later, there was a newspaper in New York at the time that was a free weekly paper called The Village Voice. And I picked up a copy every once in a while and I opened it exactly a year later. And there he was, there was a photograph of him. And because I recognized him and it said his name, Daniel and his last name. So it was him. The reporting was very good because he had had a conversation very similar to the one I had had with some other woman. He had moved in with her and murdered her. And thank God, you know, he was arrested and is in prison if he's still alive. 
for life. So that's incredible that I picked up that newspaper that day and saw what had happened. And apparently they had somehow, the reporting had somehow found a way to figure out what had been said to this woman. And it was very much like, hey, I'm looking for a place to crash. Do you know of anything? It was very, very similar. So as you can imagine, this was, I mean, I, I thought it was an extraordinary experience. And the question that arose for me was, without knowing anything about this unfortunate woman, what was the difference? Because I believe everyone has standard issue intuitive equipment. I don't believe it's a special gift. I think everyone has access to it. And it's just a matter of knowing that if you choose to believe that that is, if you choose to believe that knowing that honoring it and developing it. And what was it for this woman that she wasn't in touch with her intuition. Like you said in the beginning, sometimes we ignore it or we don't hear it, but I believe it's there and she may have ignored it. We don't know if she was, you know, high or drunk or impaired in some way. There's no way to know. Mm -hmm. You know, that can make a difference, of course, in whether or not we can hear these things. But when we're fully functioning, I think it's really important to honor it. And I thought, wow, what is the difference? Why did she not? hear what I heard? How is it that she had this experience and where was her discernment? What happened to her discernment? So that's the nutshell of that experience. Wow. Okay. So take me back to your initial reaction of reading that newspaper article. It was, I was kind of awestruck because there he was, it was unmistakable, his name, his likeness, you know, his photograph. And I'm leaving out a lot of details about what he did. You know, yeah. we don't need to, we don't need to go there. Yeah. My response to very unusual things like this is that there's some golden nugget here. There's some learning here. There's something that's going to be useful for other people. So while I was amazed at the moment of seeing his picture, I told this story just a couple of years ago at a Toastmasters and a woman came up to me who is a Los Angeles native. She's a yoga studio owner and a yoga teacher. She has that beautiful, like really chilled out energy um, of people in that community. And she said, I might've said yes. And then a week later, when we were at that same meeting, she said, you know, the day after you, you told that story, there's some guy came to my yoga studio was like pounding on the door. And I just thought about what you had said and I decided not to open the door. And I was like, wow. Whoa. Okay. So this experience that you had with Daniel and mm. then being able to kind of close the chapter so that, you know, you actually have a story to share and tell with people yeah. turned out to be a gift for someone else. Apparently so in this instance. Yeah. And I really felt like you said, Jessica, it's so important. We tend to often ignore our intuition. And sometimes I think it's because we maybe don't know the difference between our own thoughts 
and this kind of like background noise or constant dialogue that everyone has. There's some statistic that we have about 60,000 thoughts a day or so. So what's the difference between a business as usual thought versus a, a message? And my experience is that something that's a gut or that's an intuitive message of do this, don't do that is always beneficial. It's always beneficial. It's always benevolent. It's always helpful. And in my experience, it, you know, often helps us get away from some kind of harm. Mm -hmm. So that's like the primary distinguisher in my experience. Of course, this is all completely subjective, but that's what I would say is the number one thing to, to know in kind of assessing whether something's a message or not. And, you know, there's so much going on in the world. There's a lot that we all have to deal with and that we're also dealing with the larger culture and these sort of extraordinary things that are happening all over the place, some of them very challenging. And so people get really caught up in the day-to-day -day of their lives and may not feel like they're in touch with their intuition. I don't have a formula. It's just not really a how-to, but in my experience, getting quiet is a really good first step calming down, meditation, breath work, all those types of techniques that calm the nervous system are really helpful to even get to a place where we can hear our intuition. Have you since that experience heard like as clear of a message from your intuition again? Is this something that's been reoccurring for you in your life? Yes. I'm writing a book about it which doesn't have a title yet because I'm in the very beginning stages. Some of them are very intense, I, I will tell you. I'll name one that's a little bit lighter, <laughs> but just as protective. Again, back in New York, I was walking down the street. I was walking up Third Avenue. It was the middle of winter and I had on a, a big coat with a big collar. And this time it was like a sentence that was very clear. I got this sentence and it was, turn your head to the right. There was a sense of urgency about it. And I was like, okay, I mean, all right. And I was like, Whoop. at that moment, a car that was speeding up Third Avenue ran over a bottle that was in the street, bursting it. And the shards of glass flew up into the air and landed on my collar. Had I not done that, I'm guessing it would have gone into my eyes, into my mouth. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it was a dark coat and it was like a clear bottle and there were like these little shards like right here. And all I did was this mm -hmm. and that was it again, safety, protection, benevolent, and very clear. That's amazing. Yeah. And I want to ask, have there been times where you didn't listen. Has there been a time when you thinking back have been like, oh, that was a message and I didn't actually act on it. And here's what happened. Like, are you able to see when you listened to your intuition and when you didn't looking back? That's such a great question. The answer is, I don't recall anything like that, but I have sort of a version of that okay. where very challenging things happened and it didn't feel like I got a message at all. And I have had to really say, all right, so now 
why is it that we would get a message about some things and maybe not others? Because if our intuition is working all the time, and I believe it is. You'd think that it would just be like shooting out all the, all the <laughs> A constant telephone connection. Yeah. It could be that I was maybe disconnected. That's possible. Or let me just do a little bit of a sidetrack. I had some training in an ashram for many years, Hindu ashram. And when you're studying, I guess, spirituality from that perspective, there are what I consider very helpful teachings about karma. And the word karma is a Sanskrit word that just means action. And a lot of Americans and Westerners in general tend to think of it as punishment or think of it as retribution. And that's not at all what it means. It just means we put energy out and the same energy kind of boomerangs back. It's a take an action and the action comes back. This is where I really couldn't say with great clarity, but there have been challenging things that I've experienced where I did not get a message. And I had to wonder later when I thought about some of that early training, that spiritual training and ideas about karma, not that it was coming to me or anything, not, not to, no, 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 not saying that, but simply that it could be that I needed to go through an experience for some reason for my own learning, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, whereas in some of these other instances, I was protected from harm very clearly. And then there were other times where I went through stuff and I like to silver lining it or golden nugget it and say, you know what, this happened. And I'm going to assume that it was somehow I got some kind of learning, if only to be able to share it with other people later on. Right. Yeah. You know, that phrase of everything happens for a reason. Yes. And, you know, sometimes bad things happen, but there is a lesson in there that we needed or we needed to experience so that we could carry it forward and, yes. and help somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it can be hard to, you know, make sense out of some of these events, but that's been a way I've done it. And it I have found it very helpful because then you can also let them go later on. I'm really curious about Jacqueline, the little girl, and... How intuitive were you as a kid? Were you very dialed in? I don't think so. No, I don't remember being that way. And I would say my intuition, those experiences were unusual. And I do have a bunch of them, but it's not like I'm rolling around constantly, like tuning into things now. I, I have moments where <laughs> you know, I could never be a professional psychic. Let's put it that way. But as a child, no, but I will say this. I had a very intense environment as a child and very, very challenging. I think the way I handled it was the intensity of my circumstances helped me develop the intuition because in order to really navigate and survive my environment, I had to really focus on the people around me and watch their behavior to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And that gave me the practice of observing subtle cues about behavior and mood and so the tendency was to tune into others and be able to read energy and situations and people initially as a way to navigate and survive. But I think that experience of having to tune in and watch and be able to predict a mood swing helped develop the intuition. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because to me, intuition is listening. Yes. 
right? And in order to listen, you need to pay attention. And so if you're not paying attention, you're not hearing anything. And so just as you said at the beginning, it's in all of us. Like we all have this pre-programmed, right? The software was already there. It's just have we actually opened it up? Are we listening to it? Have we like dialed into the frequency? And to me, it's all about being present, awareness, right? Paying attention and what you pay attention to, you know, they say, you know, what you focus on grows or, you know, energy flows where attention goes, like there's all sorts of sayings, but I think that's all wrapped up in the same concept. Like if you are out to lunch and just like, la, 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 and you're not seeing anything, like you're just walking down the street aimlessly and you're, you're not seeing the piece of wood on the sidewalk that's gonna trip you up. It's because you didn't have any awareness of it. Right. Yeah. The key word that you used is listening. It's almost synonymous with intuition. And it's the willingness also to act on what we hear. Yeah. Hearing it and then doing something about it. Yes. Especially, you know, like in these cases where I was given a direction. Yeah. There's nothing more clear than turn your head to the right. Yeah. <laughs> and some people would have been like, huh, what? And they would have been like, what does that even mean? And they would have taken a few extra moments and seconds to try and process that message first to confirm that they should do it or not. And it would have been too late. I wonder if that's true. It might be, you know, it might be. I know I can tell you this subjectively. My experience was, ooh, this feels urgent. Okay, I'm going to do it. Somehow there was something about the quality of it that cut through the red tape. Yeah, priority. <laughs> First, like it, it went straight to that part of your brain where it was like compute and act. Yes. Yes. Because it had a kind of emergency feel. Yeah. Okay. Very, yeah, very true. So question, knowing that you've had many moments in your life where your intuition kicked in and literally saved your life, like let's call it what it is. Yeah. How have you use that, you know, other than that one time where you shared your story and this woman, you know, came back to tell you, how have you used this to actually help other people? Wow. That's a great question. Again, I think what's going to help other people is, and I don't mean this in a mercenary way, but honestly, the book that I'm writing, because it's going to be unpacking all of these experiences and helping people understand that it is important to listen to it and to develop it and that you have it. And in my case, what I realized for myself, and I think that a lot of people will identify with, it was a search for feeling safe. And I think what the book is about is the need to feel safety seen through the lens of these parapsychological experiences and how the intuitive and guide messages helped me feel safe. And that it always points us back to ourselves as a source of safety and not the externals that we've all come to rely on so much. And by that, I mean, it's great to take classes and study with other people. I recommend it highly. Workshops, absolutely. Books, absolutely. Ultimately, I guess I'm pointing back to, especially for those of us who had really challenging experiences in growing up, we have to become the source of safety for ourselves. And that Intuition is one of those tools, and it's really about unpacking all those stories so that people understand that journey ultimately is about learning to trust ourselves and learning to trust ourselves as a source of safety. 
especially in an environment that was profoundly not safe for some people. Yeah, that's really interesting because when we think about the need for children to feel safe in their development, kids who grew up in a very loving, supportive, amazing space had the ability to maybe like push some boundaries and like explore and do some things that other kids may not have felt safe doing because they were literally like looking around and doing what you were talking about, observing other people, like assessing scenarios. So they couldn't just like aimlessly flow, you know, down this way because they're always on high alert. Whereas kids who grew up in safe environments had no concept of that. And so had could maybe have fallen off a thing because they had no idea that they needed to be more cautious about like climbing on a counter, right? Like, so it's interesting you say that in terms of like kids' environment and what, I guess, quote unquote, you know, dangers or troubles some kids may have found themselves in is because they didn't have that awareness that they needed to be on high alert. Yeah, I suppose that's true. You could definitely conclude that. Absolutely. And of course, of course, you know, being on high alert is not really a fun way to live. You know what yeah. I mean? It becomes normalized if that's what you're used to. But I would add to that maybe that these experiences, I guess sometimes we learn, it's possible to learn through wonderful experiences and pleasure and loving experiences. Absolutely. Maybe for some we're alerted to certain lessons through painful experiences, and that's a little bit harder to deal with and maybe harder to talk about, but it brings you to attention. And then you're in a place where you then have a choice about how to respond. So yeah, having challenging experiences and then silver lining it, that's been the saving grace for me and kind of looking at what can I learn from this rather than being pulled under by these things? If someone's listening and they don't necessarily feel that they have, I guess, strong intuition or the volume is not too high and so they're not really able to listen in on their intuition. You know, I know you talked a little bit about meditation and breathing. What other things would you recommend for people to help them pay more attention? Well, messages that may be scattered through the constant verbal diarrhea that goes on in our mind. It is constant. I would go back to those two because they're so, so powerful. Breathwork, even if it's not a formal like class or studying with breathwork with anybody, even just the act, even if it's just a daily thing, a habit of consciously slowing down the breathing massively helps calm the nervous system. And when the nervous system is calmer, we can hear better. And part of the reason for that is spikes in stress hormones like cortisol when, and the, the, the truth is for most of us, they've become really normalized. Stress levels are, are, have become very normalized. So we don't even sort of think of it as weird anymore. But when they're traveling throughout our system, what those spikes in cortisol do is actually shut down some of our higher brain function. So calming the nervous system helps clear some of that debris and is literally clearing away some of that cortisol. So even if it's just breathing in for 10, holding it for 10, breathing out for 10, that anybody can do 
at any time, you know, without necessarily taking a class with anybody. In fact, I used to do that when I lived in New York and I'd be on the subway at one o'clock in the morning every once in a while. And I'd be like, you know what? I really would rather feel a little bit safer right now. And I would, instead of hurrying, which might be a normal kind of like, I gotta get out of here. I would slow it way, way down and it would put me into my body and it would make me much more present. That doesn't mean I'm like moseying along, but I slowed the inside down so that I could just be very alert. So I really recommend breath work and there are different ways of meditating. You know, some people do a traditional meditation, ashram style meditation. Some people use headspace or another kind of app. I'm not an app person, but it works for some people. And then another way of getting that debris is for some people running some kinds of physical, very strenuous physical stuff, especially if it's a daily habit, you kind of have to already be that person, I think maybe, but a lot of people talk about a runner's high and, you know, you actually do, you go into a different state. You can go into what people call the zone. That's very similar. It's a form of meditation, even walking sometimes, but quieting the system in order to hear, I think is really important. And how has tapping into your intuition helped you in other areas of your life that wasn't life-threatening, right? Like some just like basic, normal, everyday or career business, like what have been some of those, okay, like tapping into my intuition here to, you know, move me forward. Absolutely. The way I've used it in career stuff is that early experience of tuning into other people and watching for behavior and shifts in mood and being able to sort of read the environment. I have found incredibly helpful professionally. I do some group work. And so that helps me facilitate workshops because I'm tuning into what's happening for people. But it's also been on jobs where I wasn't in charge of anything or running anything. I was just an employee or, you know, sitting around like doing stuff for other people. I could read the energy. I know that's a little vague, but be able to sort of get a sense of how people felt. And then that would give me information about how to navigate. So even when I was in a job that I wasn't suited for in the corporate world, for example, I would be able to get a good sense in meetings and with people around me of of what was really happening so that I could then navigate and make decisions that were right for me and right for them. Just Mm -hmm. being able to tune into people and read them and then respond accordingly and being willing to read other people and respond. It's so interesting that you talk about that because it just made me think about something. Brene Brown, I'm sure you're familiar with Brene. Her new book, Atlas of the Heart, I just started listening to it. Have you read it yet? No, but I'm very excited about it. Okay, so I literally just started listening to the introduction and she's talking about experiences from her past and stress and overwhelm and what a challenging household that she was raised in and her role as the eldest sibling and what her superpower was is being able to, not that she was psychic or be able to predict like the future 10 years down the line, but she could assess the situation and know what was going to happen in 20 minutes based on people's behavior and someone's comment to someone else. Yeah. She could instantly know Mm. like, oh, this is going to go bad or like, you know, good day person, comment received, this is how to go or someone's having a bad day, same comments and this is going to blow up, right? So to me, this whole conversation that we're having is making me think about this 
you know, what Brene is talking about, the emotions and feelings and tuning in and this superpower that she says she's always had of being able to read people. Yeah. So yes, go definitely read the book. I will. She's fabulous. She's uh, so honest about her own life. It's incredible. Yeah. So that made me like think about our conversation and what I was listening to yesterday of her Atlas of the Heart book. Which is, I guess, a nice segue because I was talking about maps and you were sharing with me before the first time we connected about something that you use, a technique, a tool, and it's called heart math. Yes, heart math. I think the idea behind the name is the heart and science. Math, I think, is the kind of reference to a sort yeah, of I think that's kind of what Brene is talking about here with Atlas of the Heart. It's like navigating yes. the heart. So talk to me about heart math. What is heart math and how do you use it? And why would someone else want to know about heart math? Sure. I saw this movie a few years ago called What Can We Do to Change the World? And this documentary looked at a whole bunch of incredible people and all the things they were doing to help humanity in different ways. And one of the groups that was profiled was HeartMath. And it's a research institute in California. And I became certified as a HeartMath practitioner. I call it a healing modality. And it's also a sort of high level communication modality. It's a lot of things. What it does is I teach a form of emotional regulation work, emotional regulation techniques that help people focus their attention on the heart and alter their breathing and like I was saying before, lower that cortisol in a way that calms the nervous system and gets us out of fight or flight, gets you back in your body. And it restores sort of the higher level executive function to the brain. And I'll probably allow your intuition voice to actually be heard. Yes. And even just full functioning as a human, honestly. Yeah. So you're not cutting your finger off in the kitchen as you're chopping vegetables, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I've worked with people one-on-one -on -one, and the kinds of people that I've worked with in the past have been a couple of, uh, I've had more than one parent kind of at their wits end with a sick child and not taking care of themselves and recognizing how anxious and angsty they were was actually affecting their child's illness. Sometimes it takes, again, these very painful circumstances to get us to do things differently, mm -hmm. to help them just learn. It's a teach a person how to fish type of program rather than kind of giving There's them a bunch. Yeah. So giving them the tools to self-regulate, to calm themselves down. It's somewhat meditative, this work, and it requires slowing down a little bit. And I've worked with executives who like, I worked with one woman who had just been promoted to CFO in an environmental company and she had been the accountant before and she was really sort of still feeling like the accountant who like just suddenly got a big present and she was really afraid to speak up in meetings. So working with this heart math, emotional regulation stuff, she became a lot more confident to be able to speak up. That's another way that I worked. And then I have given workshops 
where I combine heart math with other techniques from my background in theater and improv. So it's personal development work that calms the nervous system and then engages in play, like a, a kind of, I say, suitable for introverts. Improv that's suitable for introverted geniuses. You don't have to be a you know flaming extroverted actor to be able to benefit from this type of work. So yeah, workshops that help people with things like navigating difficult conversations and building leadership skills and confidence skills. So it's like a combination of heart math and playing with these theatrical techniques and rehearsing using rehearsal techniques so that you get comfortable with a new habit, let's say, of speaking up. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. I love that. I did a personal development course several years ago, and it was all kind of founded on this idea that when we play, our true selves come forth. Yeah right? Like who you really are will show up when you're in play mode or competitive mode or sport mode. You know, your tendencies, like, are you more reserved? Are you bold? Are you a risk taker? Those things about yourself actually show up when you're playing in a game. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's your instinct. That's your intuition. That's like how you need to survive and what you need to do to win or, you know, those personality traits come through. So I love the fact that you talked about play. And I think if more of us played more and had some regular fun in our daily lives, maybe we'd actually be able to tune into our intuition a little bit better too. A hundred percent. One of the main reasons I incorporated improv into my workshops, because it short circuits the intellectual interference the the yeah this it short circuits that so that you kind of like have to be present you can like kind of got to deal with what's happening right now and respond and creating an environment that's a safe environment where people feel free to quote fail say the wrong thing there's no wrong thing in improv and it's actually very healing to be in an environment where people are trained to have each other's backs and then that's in play. I love that you did that. That's fantastic. I wholeheartedly agree. It's really true. It also helps people retain what they learn. Yeah. Cool. Oh my goodness, Jacqueline, this has been quite the conversation. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming on and sharing that story with everyone. And I'm so excited to stay in touch and hear about the book that oh. you're in the middle of writing. Thank you. Um, in the meantime, if someone wants to hear more about heart math, talk to you about intuition, hire you as a workshop facilitator, where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out? Tell us where people can connect with you in the interwebs. In the interwebs. Probably the best place since I have to admit to being a little spotty on social media. I'm a little inconsistent there. However, I do have a website, which is just jdelieb. J and my last name. And um, it has some descriptions and there's a little contact form. And for anybody who's interested in getting on my mailing list, I created a stress relief comic book. There's a link for it if they want to get free little fun bonus. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, anything that helps people manage stress and it's free, they should sign up for because <laughs> there's just so much stress out there. All right. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for being my guest on the show today. It's lovely to see you again. And and we will stay in touch for sure. Let me know how the book's going and we will talk real soon. So if you 
liked this episode and you took something away and resonated with you, give it a like, give it a review, a share. And if you know somebody who is currently struggling with listening to their own intuition and may need some tools to help them tap into their intuition, please share this episode with them because it just might help them figure out their own. Now what? That is it for us. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.